the Dukes Up podcast. I'm your host, Steven. We're going to talk about UFC 258 prelims today. Not a lot of big names, but there was plenty of fun to be had and some good twists and turns. Before we dive in, you can email me, dukesuppodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at dukesuppodcast. Enough of that. Let's get to the first fight. Phil Rowe, Gabe Green. The result here was Green winning a decision. However, I think it was a draw. The reason, for once, was not the judge's fault. It was the referee's fault for not taking a point away for egregious fouls. I scored the first round for Rowe, the second round for Green. However, with a point deduction, it evens it out at 9-9. And then Green won the third round. So that ends at 28-28. Green, however, should have been able to get himself a 10-8 in that third round. But he was not urgent enough in getting back up. Rowe was really smart with his takedown and controlled him. Didn't do a ton of damage, but did control for a long time. And I think that cost Green a 10-8 in that third round which didn't matter on anybody's actual scorecard, but if the ref had taken a point, it should have. What blew my mind here is that five media scores, I think there were 19 total, and 24 out of 54 fan scores gave it to Roe. This is from MMADecisions.com. This wasn't exactly a bell-to-bell ass-whooping, but what fight were those people watching? Roe takes round one, and Green clearly takes round two, and since the ref didn't deduct the point, we're even going into round three. Everybody seems to agree on that. So Roe won the third round, the round where he got knocked down with a leg kick and landed nine total strikes? Unreal. I I can't imagine who thought that. Thank God they weren't in the judges' chairs that night. Let's get to the fighters here. Roe had some beautiful transitions on the ground. In round one especially, he went knee and belly, got recomposed the half guard, knee and belly mount again. Back to back, it was so slick. He did a half guard sweep, which I never see enough of. I don't see enough sweeps in general, but especially not half guard sweeps. He also had a nice slick stand up at the end of round one. I really enjoyed the grappling exchanges here. Roe got himself into big trouble uh, late in round two. He got rocked. He's already been hit in the nuts twice at this point, and he's getting tired, he's getting hurt, and he's backing up the whole round. He did, however, have a pretty impressive recovery in round three when he got kicked in the leg, went down, and managed to pick up a takedown and pick up several minutes of control. It wasn't enough to win the round. But it was still impressive. That guy is tough as nails. Green also had some great moments, especially in the grappling department. He had a standing arm triangle that he turned into a takedown, which was wonderful to watch. And he adjusted really quickly in round one on his feet. He was getting hit a lot and then started fainting, moving his head, and moving his feet a little bit more which was proof to me he was going to be nobody's bitch in this fight. Round one adjustments, very impressive from Green. I love the vicious ground and pound body punches after the takedown early in round two. Anytime you can hammer the body is going to help you out, especially later in the fight. And he got row down and went immediately to work. His overhand right was a big success for him. He found it in round one. And then he found it big in round two, rocking Roe. There was a lot to love from Green here, but he was unacceptably stupid in round three. He wasn't urgent getting up. I think he can fix it, though. I don't think that's a, he's doomed to repeat that mistake 
And then come to find out in the post-fight interview, Green said he wanted to choke Roe out rather than, presumably, rather than keep hammering him because he liked him because he's a nice guy, which is not how you get that's not how you get where you're going if you're in MMA and it's also the exact opposite of what we saw from Usman later in the night so let's talk about the groin strikes here in round one it was just a kick whatever a kick to the groin it happens all the time I think you should take a point for that first foul because it's pretty significant it does change fights but they don't and that's not the dumbest thing what is the dumbest thing is that in round two Green punches with a straight right hand row in the nuts punches take the fucking point what do you have to do to get a point deducted of course he wasn't aiming for his nuts but at some point you have to stop breaking the rules you just can't do it anymore there's just no reason to let that stupid shit slide so that's how my scores ended up being a draw because the ref should have taken that point in round two it was an egregious foul you never see groin strikes you never see groin punches that's ridiculous all right, let's get on to the next one. Andre Ewell, Chris Gutierrez. This one was also a pile of fun. Gutierrez won by a decision. And only one, again, there's a little bit of judging in round three. Only one judge did it, gave Gutierrez a 10-8 in round three. But I think that was an easy call. Again, five is our magic number. Five of the 19 media scores gave that third round a 10-8. I think that was an easy round to score 10-8 for Gutierrez. Ultimately, it would not have mattered. He still got the win. So Ewell was pretty effective with his hands in round one, but I sensed some hesitation. He finally started loosening up with about two minutes left in the second round, and that's when he was really getting the better of Gutierrez. When he went, he was winning. The same goes for Gutierrez. When he went first, he won. He landed. He was effective. Round three was just absolutely hopeless on the feet after all the leg damage that Ewell took. He didn't try to clinch, and he didn't try to wrestle, which I thought was a huge huge mistake. He's crazy tough, but he didn't have a plan B. He got that leg beat up, and that was the end of it. Gutierrez was like a lion just lying in wait. He didn't throw a lot in round one, speaking of lying in wait, and I thought he had a lot of chances to throw because he did a really good job of backing Ewell up against the fence. He did finally get a knockdown late with a kick. Speaking of Gutierrez's kicks, they're beautiful. His spinning kicks are such a treat to watch. And aside from uh, his leg kicks, the spinning attacks, especially to the head, were really his most effective weapon. In round two, he had some amazing leg kicks, did a ton of damage, and he seemed to have a beat. He'd made some good reads. He kind of had uh, Ewell's timing figured out, but he wasn't really throwing. And we find out after the fight, of course, during the fight, his coach is imploring him to throw. After the fight, we find out that he decided not to throw more in the first two rounds because it was risky, because he respected Ewell's power. He didn't want to get hit. Eventually, he did get down to business. He got it going in round three, and it was terrific. He did a Superman punch to a kick off the cage, a la Anthony Pettis. He was following Ewell and smashing front and the backs of his legs when Ewell would turn sideways or sometimes turn completely around. He just kept following and following and following and hitting the legs. He could have done more sooner, and he might have gotten a finish from it. 
and it certainly would have been a more entertaining fight, but his approach of wounding Ewell, especially with those leg kicks, as safely as possible, and then going in for the kill once Ewell couldn't fight back, is a smart move. It took some patience. It took a lot of uh, maturity, and ultimately Gutierrez took less damage because of that approach. Gutierrez is a guy who's probably got a pretty high ceiling, and this is ultimately ultimately a low-level fight for him. So you could look at it this way. He's helping himself be ready for the high-level fights where he's going to have to put more on the line and take more damage. It might take him a little longer to get there because he doesn't have a bunch of flashy finishes and he's not known as a go-go action fighter, but maybe it's not the dumbest approach. All right, let's get to one of my favorite fights of the night here, Mallory Martin and Pollyanna Viana. The result here was a Viana sub in round one. She won via armbar. First, Viana, she was doing nonstop damage from the bottom. She took a left overhook and had Martin in her guard. She kept some control with that overhook and just kept hammering. She was throwing punches and elbows from the bottom, and that increased the stress and the pressure and, and probably the sense of urgency that Martin had, and it led to some ultimately to mistakes. I think if you're going to fight off your back, that's a great way to do it, to keep throwing and throwing and throwing because it forces the top fighter to make mistakes, to, to get distracted, to start weighing in whether or not they want to get hit instead of just escaping. If they put their arm down to get out of your guard, they're going to take four elbows. So that can be incredibly effective for opening up submission and sweep opportunities, especially when you catch somebody in a triangle because there's a lot of escapes from loose triangles or even good triangle attempts. And the bottom fighter, the one throwing up the triangle, can get tired from that. So instead of walking away from a failed triangle attempt with tired legs and the other person just needs to shake their head and get the cobwebs out, once the blood's moving again, you can put 10 or 20 elbows and punches on them. You might be able to cut them. Sometimes those cuts do stop fights. They affect the fighter's vision. If it, if it doesn't get stopped, it can really change the course of a fight, even though you can't get a ton of leverage from there. There's a lot of upside to the way Viana approached this fight. That said, it wouldn't have gone the way it did without Martin, who was fully outclassed on the ground. But more importantly, she didn't even have to go to the ground. Those, all those strikes, all that action from Viana don't mean anything if Martin just dumps that kick and backs away. Why she wanted to put her on the ground, I have no idea. And once she was on the ground, I mentioned that Viana took a, an overhook and controlled her. There's just no, there's no excuse for that. An overhook isn't lockdown. Martin just had nothing. She had no answers on the ground. And she really should, especially since she just needs to get back up to her feet. She doesn't need to sweep. She doesn't need to submit. She doesn't need to secure position and ground and pound. She's just got to get up. We didn't see much in the stand-up department for either, from either of them. But Viana's stand-up looks stilted at best. I think Martin probably could have capitalized on that. But she just didn't have the ability to escape from a guard and an overhook. Whatever. All right, let's get to the next one here. Diego Lima, Bilal Muhammad. The result was that Muhammad won a decision. It was a hard-fought decision. 
and Bilal took a lot of damage again, especially to the legs. There's a lot of guys taking leg damage tonight, but I wasn't terribly impressed with Lima. In round one, his jab, it's not landing, but it looks pretty sharp. He does a great job of whipping his kicks, but his straight right is just really ungainly. It seems like he doesn't know when to throw it, and it seems like he's doubting himself in the middle of throwing it. He launches, and I saw this later in the fight too when he was throwing hooks. He launches his hooks out, and it seems like he's waiting for confirmation in the middle of the punch. No, this is good. You threw it at the right time. He's just so uncomfortable with his hands. He's not terribly sloppy, and he's not terribly slow, but ultimately his punches are slow, and I think it's because I started paying real close attention to see if I could figure out why this is. He's not exactly an explosive guy. He's not a super athlete or anything, so that's part of it, but he, his punches come back sloppy, so he might throw a crisp jab, but then the arm drops. It loops back. It takes him a long time to get his hands back and into position. And I think that was a big reason why his hands overall are just so slow, especially slow com- compared to Muhammad. Finally, he did hit a straight right near the end of round one. And then he proceeds to wing two of these slowest hooks on earth. And that's what I was talking about. He threw him. His shoulders went forward. It seemed like he wasn't he wasn't looking at Muhammad. He didn't know where the punches were going to go or where they should go. It was just a really awkward way to throw two hooks. Upside here, though, for Lima is that his leg kicks are dynamite. They're not exactly Douglas Lima's leg kicks, but they are good. He is slinging them, and he crushed Muhammad's legs in round two. That did a lot. Bilal couldn't cover distance as well. A lot of the sting fell off of his punches. So in round two, I thought, despite being backed up against the fence for the whole first round and the whole second round, that Lima really had a shot at getting uh, getting Bilal out of there or at picking up a, a decision by winning the third round. However, the third round rolls around and Lima's about to fall over. He is too tired. You just can't be that tired. You can't fade that hard. In a three-round fight, if you're in the UFC, there's no excuse for it. Maybe he had an injury coming in, but I've seen him fade in other fights too. He just never had enough energy in this fight to make anything come out of those gigantic and damaging leg kicks that he was landing in the first two rounds. And it was a darn shame because all he needed was a little more energy and he could have taken that fight. He's got a hell of a chin on him, but... Lima does, but he just isn't a killer and his footwork doesn't really match his style. I've seen this in some of Lima's other fights. He's real easy to back up. He has trouble keeping distance. He doesn't escape laterally enough. He goes straight back until he bumps the fence. And he's this is a guy that's 6'2. This guy's six foot two fighting at 170. You have to be more evasive. You have to be able to use your length at that length. You should be picking people apart, and he just doesn't do it. He doesn't get himself out of trouble. He gets himself into trouble almost every exchange in this in this fight. Every second in this fight was spent backing up. He barely went forward. Let's talk about Muhammad real, real quick. So in round one, he had some great feints. He had some good variety. Uh, Diego was really biting on him and flinching. Diego had some good cover defense. And Muhammad took advantage of that when he was shelling up top. 
and started punching the body. Gray body punches for Muhammad round one. I think maybe Muhammad's biggest mistake was that his answer to those really hard low kicks from Lima was to walk through him and throw. And he did, and he landed. But that's playing with fire. And the end result was that he did get burned a little bit. He didn't have the movement or the power to put Diego away later in the fight. If, Like I said, if Lima had better cardio, he could have put, put Muhammad away or he could have taken that third round because Muhammad's leg was so beat up. Fortunately for Muhammad, Lima didn't have the cardio, couldn't do it. I noticed that he was throwing, that Bilal was throwing fewer shots to the body in round two. I thought this was a big mistake. I think he could have thrown more kicks to the body. All that time Diego spent, not just with his back against the cage, but with his back literally on the cage, in a lot of cases, he was wide open for kicks to the body. And he really only threw body kicks. Bilal really only threw them in round one. Once again, we had some foul issues, an eye poke in round one and round three, and no point was taken. Now, ultimately, this didn't affect the outcome because uh, he won all three rounds anyway. But so what? when do you take a point? We've got one eye poke. You call it accidental. It doesn't affect the fight too much. The guy's not bleeding. His eye didn't swell shut. You move on. I don't like it, but that's okay. And, uh, and it's not the dumbest thing you could do. But he gets poked again in swimming. If you go into somebody else's lane, you're disqualified. Sometimes it happens. Your goggles can get foggy. Your head's down. And they, do, they spend a lot of time underwater in swimming. So if you get a little disoriented and wonky, you might accidentally pop up in somebody's lane. Nobody gives a shit. You're disqualified. You broke the rules. We don't care why. We don't care the intent. You're done. Why? That attitude isn't applied to mixed martial arts. I've got no idea. I don't care that Lima didn't mean to poke him in the eye. He poked him in the eye. Oh, judge, I didn't mean to kill that man. Good. Well, you're free to go then, as long as it was unintentional. Nowhere else is intent taken into account so ridiculously as in MMA. Take the fucking points. <clears throat> All right, I'll try to calm myself here. Uh, Adolfo Vieira, Anthony Hernandez. This was obviously the fight that got Joe Rogan the most excited. The result was Hernandez won via a submission, a guillotine, in the second round. Speaking of cardio, how in the hell did Vieira gas inside of one round that he was controlling in his preferred position? He was on top. This is a jiu-jitsu world champ, seven-time ADCC champ if I'm not mistaken, and he gets wiped inside of a round doing jujitsu from the top. That is crazy. He talked about, Vieira talked about his nerves before the fight and how intense it can be, and I'm assuming that's probably what happened. His adrenaline dumped on him in that first round. He's a big muscular guy anyway. Maybe he's you know only got decent cardio. So it wouldn't take much to completely drain somebody like that. But nerves are a bitch. Nerves can exhaust a bad motherfucker in a big hurry. Maybe he just skipped the air dining camp. I don't know. But either way, he gassed out and Hernandez took great advantage of it. Every punch that Hernandez landed in that first round seemed to stun Vieira. He was smart enough. Hernandez was smart enough to go nuts after he managed to get up in that first round. He wasn't scared of a Hail Mary punch or takedown or submission from uh, from Vieira. He just went all 
out. He stayed all over him until he ended up finishing him in the second round. My, I think my favorite moment of the fight was after it ended, John Anik goes, Anthony fucking Hernandez. If that doesn't get you amped up, nothing will. What a moment. Back to Joe Rogan real quick. He is just the worst predictor of submissions on earth. He said, it's over, or he's got it at least three times in that first round. He just, I guess he can't accept reality. He has this Vulcan death grip fantasy about jujitsu submissions. Listen, Vieira got chumped. Everybody knows jujitsu. Just because a guy's attempting a submission doesn't mean it's going to sink. Calm down, Joe. That is the end of the prelim fights from UFC 258. Remember, you can contact me via email or you can find me on Twitter, dukesuppodcast at gmail.com and at dukesuppodcast. It's been fun and I'll talk to you next time.